Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You're listening to Comedy Central. whose new book is called Grief is for People. Please welcome Sloan Crosley. How are you feeling? I feel pretty great. How do you feel? I feel great. I'm Thank excited to talk me. with you. Yeah. Uh, this book is beautiful and wonderful. You write before this book, a lot of essays involving humor. This is a memoir involving loss and grief yes. with a lot of humor in it. Yes. I, I laugh, but how do you strike that balance between grief and laughing? I know. I can't yeah. believe I'm here talking yeah. about the sad book. Yeah. No, I, I think that uh, the sort of topography of grief that everyone experiences, the people you miss, you miss because they're so specific. Yeah. And in this case, the person I miss was very dark and very funny. Yeah. Um, and so you have both my cylinder of humor going and his going at the same time. Um, you mentioned Russell, mm -hmm. but really when you start this book, it's about being burglarized. I know, so many bad things So happen. many bad things happen. Again, there's a lot of laughing. It's a there is a lot of laughing, <laughs> for real, say? for real. I mean, but uh, one of the most interesting parts of the book is how it turns. And tell me a little bit about, you know, how you approach that from being robbed to then this next bad thing that happened. Yeah, so basically in uh, June, um, on June 27th of 2019, yeah. I left my apartment for one hour um, to get a hand x-ray so I took all my rings off. Right. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, and came home to find all my jewelry uh, gone, burglarized. Right. Right. Um, and not particularly flashy, just gone. And right. then a month later, uh, my dearest friend unfortunately died by suicide. So yeah. uh, that first loss obviously became the sort of more minor precursor to the second loss. Um, but I, uh, as a human being, I am deeply unlucky. But okay. as a, in this case, I am. Yeah. But as a writer of this book, I knew this is a suspenseful story about grief, and it's right. a funny story about grief, and I don't think you get a lot of those. So. Yeah, and it's easy to grieve 
at first for these yes. items. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you have I mean, been... it sucked. It sucks. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I, we had some winter coats stolen, and I'm almost embarrassed. Winter coats stolen. Yeah, we had winter coats stolen. I'm, I'm so almost, sorry that's for okay. your loss. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is humorous in a way, but also you feel violated, yes. you feel mad. Yes. And then as soon as anything real happens, you go, yes. that's the important thing. Yes, well, it's yeah. also the need, the only commonality that these two losses have is the sudden nature of them. Yeah. It just felt like a real uh, demarcation of before and after, which you don't always get with yeah. grief. Tell me about Russell. You tell a lot of, in Lightly. the book, but... On national television, yeah, I'd please. be glad share, to. Share just Russell like anyone would about their friend. Yeah. So I used to work in book publishing. Um, he hired me. I worked for him for 10 years. He was a wildly generous, funny, brilliant, yeah. brilliant um, publicist. And deeply inappropriate. I'm really hesitant to uh, yeah. repeat some of the lines in the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, he fits sort of less and less, I think, in a world that he had helped built in a way. And part of the challenges, challenge of this book was how to memorialize and pay tribute to someone like that without sounding like a frustrated septuagenarian white man who's like, it's just not the same. Right, <laughs> right. You know, the world he, has changed. The world has changed. Yeah. But um, he was just a, <laughs> just a wonderful, uh, well-read uh, human being who really was almost like, you know, he's my partner in crime. Yeah. I felt I, like that. People have that with work relationships and friends. I love when you talk about some of his quote-unquote offensive, whatever they were, remarks, actions. I mean, he sent you an email once as your cat or something? Was that oh, what yeah, it was? Oh, yeah, the whole account. Yeah, yeah the whole account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would say, like, um, Mommy, why are you wearing the same thing you wore yesterday? Right. Um, <laughs> Mommy, why didn't you come home last night? Right. This is my boss, just so no, that's so clear. awesome. I mean... But I, also, like, my dear, wonderful friend. Yeah, and <laughs> what HR doesn't get is... <laughs> Kill them. Right. Well, it's 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 <laughs> when someone is gone, it's these yeah. hilarious. Sometimes they yeah. cross the line moments that we think about and we laugh about. Yes. And now, having said that, I'm not trying to be permissive over some of the behavior sure. that he sure. exhibited. It, sure. But also, it didn't come. <laughs> those things that we're talking about. Yeah. Didn't. Uh, they weren't attached to you know sort of abuses of power or yeah. lording sex yeah. over people or anything yeah. like that. He yeah. fought for everyone's raises. You know. Right. You talk about. Uh, lack of self-help books or grieving groups for loss of a friend. Yes. Why is that? Well, I would say it's not like anyone was trying to take my grief away from yeah. me. Yeah. You know, nobody right. was like, well, you don't get to grieve. Right. Too bad. Just a friend. Yeah, <laughs> get you don't over get to it. do you that. Yeah. that. Sit <laughs> yeah. in the corner. Um, no, but it just felt like the structure of life, of the self-help books, of um, the internet, is very much loss of a spouse, loss of a child, yeah. God forbid. Yeah. Um, you know, loss of a parent. Um, and so in addition to being so confused and hurt by his death, I had this sort of extra patina of thinking, do I have a right to this? How much, right. is, I'm trying right. to get purchase on it. How much of it right. is mine? And um, turns out about 200 pages worth is, yeah. is mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it can feel very serious, but there's humor. And are you looking for the humor or are you a person who writes your truth, the world you're right. in, and humor's there. Uh, this whole thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that whole thing, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it is, the truth is, is I, I've I'm asking not writer. for them, because I'm curious. Yeah. Because it's like, do you try yeah, to be funny? Yeah, not for them. Uh, <laughs> do you try to be funny in this serious situation? Uh, no. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah. I think that what I have, and what I imagine you have as well, in replace of poetry, maybe, um, are 
analogies and observations yeah. and sort of this abject as exasperation at the world. And that's yeah. how I see and describe the world. Yeah. Um, so the humor, you know, in my more traditional humor essays, there's a better sort of alignment, I suppose, between the topic and how I'm telling the story. With a grief book, I think it hopefully gives the book more texture and or will offend massive amounts of people. No, it won't. It's not. It's, it's, okay. a, it's an excellent read. Why are, why are we afraid to say grief? Why are we afraid to talk about it? Yeah. I find talking about death, especially in North American culture, it's like keep it down. Yeah. Um, why? Tell me the answer to this existential question. Oh, that yes, I am. That's why you're here. <laughs> I'm, I'm specifically. Just, no, but you have a good input on. You yeah. have a good thought on. Uh, on how to speak to people who yeah. are grieving, or yeah. so I, I. And why? Sorry, on why it is that we talk about it so little. Why is there a yeah. little bit of an air right now? A squeamishness. Because there's grief and there's sadness. Well, and especially the kind of the kind of death this is is yeah. very scary. Yeah. When we say we don't necessarily say your cancer, ah, cancer, would you say, ah, suicide, or your suicide, his right. suicide. It, it's right. like we give it, it's like hot coal, and we give it back to the, the dead person as fast as right. we possibly can. Right. And I think because we're frightened for ourselves, as we well should be. Yeah. But I think the only way around that is to discuss it yeah. more, and yeah. to talk about it, and to be asked questions about it. Yeah. Um, you know, in the wake of Russell's death, people would often say, did you know? Right. Which I personally don't have the best reaction to because right. I don't know if it's for me or for him. Yeah. Um, but what, I like what, to what, talk about what it. What should you say? Well, I mean, first of all, you should say whatever the hell you want to say. Right. As long as it's, I'm not trying to police people's right. um, reaction to grief as long as it's authentic and yeah. it's sincere and yeah. not just sort of rubbernecking at a horror story. Right. And using your, right. you know, grief for this. I think you should just go with declarative statements. Yeah. I, you did. In the I way did? you, well, sort of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where you said, you know, you said, tell me about him. Right. I wish I knew him. Right. He must have been wonderful. What yeah. a big life that's more than this one moment. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I've heard you say part of grief is becoming on the side of the living once again. <laughs> Explain that to me. Um, well, if you've ever grieved someone, you know that especially right away, there's this sort of, almost embarrassing thing I felt, which is I was receiving all of these wonderful condolences and I felt like I was ill-equipped or did not have the shelving to accept them yeah. because everybody had committed the sin of not being able to bring my friend back. Right. And I just wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. So we had a memorial service. Right. I, I turned into what I call in the book a funeralzilla. Right. <laughs> where I was just like, is it hard to shut down Fifth Avenue for an hour? Right. Maybe we should, right. why are these programs not bound with ribbon? Right. Where is the gold, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, somebody needed to sort of pull me aside and yeah. say, yeah. you know, he's not gonna be going to the memorial right. service. This and honestly, at that moment, no, I did not know that. Right. So is it like changing that focus to back to yeah. present tense? Yeah. Yes, and I also changing to what he would want. Yeah. Do you know, because yeah. again, um, even and especially with someone who dies by suicide, they are more than their last act of free will. Yeah. And we had an entire friendship and an entire life together where I know that he wanted more from me than to just focus on him. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. You will laugh. You will think, I promise you. But it's also a tribute to your friend, Russell. Thank you for chatting with us very much. I appreciate it. Uh, Grief, is, Grief is for People is available now. Sloan Crosley, everybody. And we're going to take a quick break. Thank you.
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. My guest tonight is a University of Kentucky basketball legend and an NBA shooting star who has written a memoir called it's hard for me to live with me. Please welcome Rex Chapman. This book, you lay it out. You are, I know you from basketball. Some people know you from social media. Uh, you have a podcast. In this book, you talk about your, your addiction, your recovery. Um, how difficult was it for you to write that? People have been telling me I should write a book for a long time. Yeah. I never really understood why. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Seth Davis, the guy who co-wrote 
co the author who co-wrote the book with me. Yeah. I've known Seth a long time. He called me up. I had a level of comfort that I don't know that I had with a lot of other people. Yeah. And we started the process. We started it probably, I was, I told somebody today, I think it was like two years ago. Yeah. It was like four years ago because yeah. about a year in, Seth said, hey man, I've got another project that's kind of time sensitive. Do you mind? I said, no, I don't like talking about this anyway. So right. take all right. the time you want. He, I said, sure, what is it? He said, well, it's Sister Jean, who's 104 years old, and I, I laughed. I said, that's the sweetest thing ever that you right. think I might outlive Sister Jean. <laughs> <laughs> right. So right. anyway, there we uh, go. Um, man, I resonated with so much of this. You're incredibly honest. One of the things that jumped out at me was you broke the rules and oftentimes the law a lot before kind of the big bottom. Yeah. I mean, there was cheating in school. There was cheating on That's your girlfriend. That's not against the law. Uh, no, right? <laughs> there was driving with a suspended license. There was breaking tons of curfews. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, every single rule time. Rule breaker. Rule yeah. breaker. But then it really seemed like it all crashed in oh. 2014 when you get arrested for stealing from an Apple store. Uh, is that right? No, not you. Okay. But I mean, <laughs> by the way, I didn't just bring you out here to tell you all the gotcha. shit you did. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm asking a question that I should probably get to it. Uh, the perks of being an athlete and being a successful athlete, is that what allowed you to... I, I think so. Yeah. Just talking about it in the yeah. green room, really, with Larry Hughes, yeah. uh, my Simon & Schuster guy. I, my last two years of high school, yeah. I, I, I have dyslexia, and I didn't know any of that, though. Right. I just knew right. higher math and science and all that stuff. I would sort of check out, like... How are you guys getting this? This right. is not easy. And then I'm being told it's kind of common sense. Yep. And I just kind of, I quit. I'm not going to be a math teacher. Why do I need to know this? Right. <laughs> and so that was, and then I'd, I'd cheat. Yep. But my last two years of high school, I just left school early after lunch. And because right. I was a good basketball player, like yeah. even in high school, well, they can't afford to sit me. Right. What kind of craziness is that? But I left, and the only time I got in trouble, assistant principal called me in one day after school. For two years, I've done this. And I thought I was in trouble. And right. he said, listen, Rex, I don't mind you going home after lunch, right. but don't be washing your car out there when the school buses are coming by <laughs> in the afternoon. This also shows just so, yes. how good you were at basketball. Well, because, you know, maybe I could put up seven points, but if I skip school, they're like, hey, Costa, you're not that good. Yeah, but you know listen, I mean? man, you played tennis, and That's you right. played it at a very high level. That's right. Going and playing, you know, you did. <laughs> He really did. He went to Illinois and played tennis. <laughs> and, and anybody that goes to college and right. plays a sport, Division right. I, Division II especially, right. that's all your time. That's right. I didn't really have the, I didn't have the, probably the capacity for the school part of it. Right. But I was having to go every day. Right. And I remember sitting in class, because it takes all your time. Yeah. And for, for me back in the day, we could only play basketball like three, four hours a day by rule. And so I'd be in a geography of Kentucky class, <laughs> sitting there. It's such a complicated class. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'd be sitting there and thinking, well, Reggie Miller, Clyde Drexler, Michael Jordan, Ron Harper, all these guys are, are working out right now. Right. And I'm stuck in this class. Yeah. And it's my only avenue to get where they are. Yeah. And I have to do what 
is being told, you know, probably cheating on my tests weren't the best thing, but I only did that once. But, but, but as, as I read this, it, man, you worked hard. You know, you, you, know you were going at night. Yeah, but you were getting a key to the gym yeah. at night yeah. and having you and your buddy and having a rebound for you. Yeah. I mean, you, you might have been a rule breaker. No, but, I, that but was the, the only thing that I had. That was the only thing I felt yeah. like I could control. Yeah. And um, no, I, I, I worked at it. I was obsessed by it. I told someone earlier, I used to wake up at midnight on the East Coast. Yeah. I'd fall asleep, wake up just in a sweat thinking, my guy, Gerald Madkin, somebody I know out in LA, my grade, he's yeah. at the park right now. It's right. nine o'clock. I need right. to do some push-ups. Let me go run a mile. I'll right. come back and go to bed. Like, obsessed right. like that. Somebody's working harder, and I can't allow that. So that same um, level of commitment, that stubbornness, that anxiety overworking, how do you, does that help you in recovery? Or in a way, is it like, is it hard to it's go to recovery hard. because I'm a bad mother I can beat this. Well, I know I can beat I this. I think that's probably the mindset that got me there. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I, I for sure went through, you know, very first when I started taking Vicodin or OxyContin, I just remember one day very vividly thinking, oh, sh sh can I cuss? Yeah, you can cuss. I think I already, I already, I already said I say, I say all of those? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, f shit. Right. <laughs> um, no, I thought. You played against Michael Jordan. You've heard, yeah, you've heard, I've heard it all. all I've this. heard yeah, it all. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was thinking all of a sudden, you know, I, I was taking this medicine. It was saying, take it m once every whatever. Yeah. All this, and where I'm making that call, all of a sudden, one day it just flipped where that medicine was telling me when yeah. to take it. Yeah. And before I know it, oh, I. I was only supposed to take three today, now I'm to four, and yeah. now I'm to five. And then I'd get to seven or eight, and I'd go, this is an issue, man. Yeah. And I'd cut it down to four or five, and then guess what? Maybe an argument or right. whatever. Right. And then, like, this. Right. And, and then that was, from the time I was 15 or 16 year yeah. old, yeah. though, I started having some depression and whatnot, and really started coping that way then because yeah. I didn't know how to cope yeah I would well I would sneak off to the racetrack all the time bet horses that was what my dad yeah. and I always did I just thought it was he, normal he talks a lot so, about in this book not yeah. you know not just the pills but also a horse racing yeah that's addiction. my Get, I yeah, liked right. basketball I yeah. love thoroughbred yeah. racing yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and the only horses these people know are the ones at Central Park yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I like those yeah. too let's talk about because as you're talking and you know you you discuss before games in high school you always would, mm. would, would vomit and yeah. as a nerve and then but then you also talked about how your dad who was a basketball coach would do this as well see this wasn't i that yes yes yeah, yeah. i he used to be a coach and i would yeah. be in his locker rooms before games and he'd give his pep talk and then he'd go in the in the restroom yeah. stick his fingers down his throat and yeah. throw up yeah and a lot of times it was dry heaves and i just hear him in there and i but that was how you got Ready for a game. Yeah. I don't know if he did that when he played. I just know he right. did it. We never talked about but I, it, but, but then I yeah. started doing it. Right. Like, I, well, I did it out of nerves. He brought his whole team to watch, like, a third-grade game of mine. Yeah. I didn't know they were coming. I went out on the court, puked everywhere at midcourt. <laughs> I mean, big throw-up. Yeah. 
and they cleaned it up. I felt like Superman after that. I was ready to go. And from that yeah. moment, yeah. I was a regular puker. I puked every single game yeah. from third grade yeah. till my second or third year in the NBA. And then I was just like, and I would stick my fingers down right. my throat. Right. If I was playing bad, one of my teammates might be like, bro, did you stick your finger down your throat? Go in there and throw up. But I'm reading this and... I didn't I, realize that. I'm That's thinking, crazy. This is anxiety, man. Yeah, and it's it, also yeah. anxiety. Your dad had a similar situation. And when did you face that? When? Out of rehab. Yeah. Out of the last right. time. Four, right. 2014. Yeah. I've been clean for nine years. I'm not the model. I smoke marijuana. <laughs> I, yeah, but I use medical marijuana. Yeah. Uh, I have yeah. Coors Light from time to time. Okay. I have nine years clean from yeah. uh, opioids. Yeah. Um, I think I really started delving. I hit rock. I was broke. Yeah. I was broken. I'd embarrass myself, my family, my kids, my ex-wife, uh, yeah. all of my friends and my, my friends' kids that looked up to me. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like, man, you, if you're going to live, you better start tackling some of why you do the things you do. You, 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 your, your dad is in here a lot. Yeah. Tough on you. I mean, one night time you scored 40 points, you come home, <laughs> dad's going to like me, and he was mad that you didn't play better defense. Yeah, yeah. And I played collegiate tennis. My dad, sometimes I think, you know, if he would have been harder on me, I could have oh. been a better pro. Well, and I'm thinking, well, which one is it? I don't want that. Yeah. But I also wouldn't mind me a couple more bucks playing tennis. Right. So what's the balance, dude? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because, to be honest, I li like I never in my life. My dad played professional basketball. Yeah. He played college. Yeah. Uh, I never in my life, my whole life, was on the floor with my dad playing basketball. He never rebounded for me. He never did any of that stuff. Also, I didn't want him to do that. I, w I was focused on what I was doing. I was watching his teams, watching everything he did, listening to everything. I was absorbing it. And I think he knew that I was, I honestly think he knew that I would be too nice if, and maybe right. fizzle out as right. a college player or whatever. Right. He knew I had the talent. Yep. The problem is I, I did very, much similar things with my own son, right. and he didn't have the same like talent. He was way tougher than I was. Right. But I treated him almost like my dad treated me. Right. Sometimes I was I was better. Yeah. But still, <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah. I think that's what we're all trying to do. It's a little, a hard little, little better than our parents. Yeah. But it's a hard balance. Yeah. And um, yeah. no, I becoming a professional basketball player was a dream come true. And I, that's the one thing. My dad, like as as it's complicated. Yeah. I love him to death. I, I appreciate everything he's done for me. My mom, the yeah. same way. Yeah. Are there some things I wish we'd have done differently? Yeah. Who's not that way? I mean, my mom's here, you know? And yeah. Here she, here she is. And here's. Uh, and on, and on Black Woman History Night. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, here's a list of things she should have done better. Uh, that's a joke. That's a joke. You know that, Mom. Uh, uh, 
What do you have to say to people listening who might be middle school phenom in a sport or high school phenom in a sport? Everything's in front of them, it yeah. seems like. And there's a reality of this that you have lived. What do you say to somebody who might be in the throes of addiction right now? Do you have a message or a thought? Man, I, I, I guess it's really just find somebody to talk to. Uh, I, I had so much pride that, you know, I was this King Rex type thing, yeah. this image, and I had so much pride about not living up to anything. I had all these secret, you know, insecurities and, you know, your pride can get in the way a lot. And once you let that move a little bit, then you can start to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. However, I also recommend therapy. If I would have, yeah. if I'd have been able to have therapy, like as a teenager, 18, 19 years old, I feel like, I don't know if it would have changed anything, but I know that I had a better shot of managing the stuff that goes along with, with being a, a popular and kind of famous athlete. That's a great message. Thank you for this book. I loved it. You're the man. Rex Chapman, everybody. Explore more shows from The Daily Show podcast universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.